This is the C3 Podcast, where we speak on culture, controversies, and Christ. I'm your host, Ricky Jill, and I hope to share and discuss some viewpoints on our world and where to find Jesus in the midst of the chaos. I figure I couldn't just wait any longer, so why not today, or at least for this episode, to share with you how and why Jesus is a large part of my life. So for those of you who don't know, I've been born and raised in Hawaii, lived in California for estimate a decade, and have been in the current red state for a year or over a year. And oftentimes when people have learned I am from Hawaii, I will switch between Hawaii and Hawaii. The reactions are the same. Why are you here? What made you leave Hawaii? Don't you miss living in paradise? My responses switch between, I like you here and I prefer to be here. Both are true because Hawaii wasn't paradise for me. It was a stigma for me to be the youngest of my mother's four children, strictly because of my father. Being named after him didn't help either. While we had many happy bonding moments as father and daughter, there were many turbulent memories. Fights between my parents happened nearly weekly. Physical altercations to the point of police being involved in regards to my dad and many confrontations with my dad at the center of it all. A couple times my father has lashed out on my two older siblings. A lot of traumatic events happened to them because of my dad. A while later after any incident, there would be presents, family outings, and my parents making up to smooth over the damage like a Band-Aid. The vicious cycle continued on for years, creating confusion, bitterness, and resent for me. Incidents with my father would also be in public. While shopping for clothes one time, my dad wanted to buy me pants that were not only unfitting due to my weight at the time, but it was also ugly. A father would understand their preteen daughter's fashion taste, right? Not my dad. He caused a huge outrage in the department store at the dressing room because he wanted me to try on the pants while he was in the room with me. The dressing room employee at the time had told my dad that he and I cannot be in the opposite um, sex dressing room as stated in their store policy. You know, men can't be in the women's, women can't be in the men's. And this is like maybe early 2000s. My dad and I had to be escorted out due to his violent outbursts towards the employees. My mom was more upset at me for causing my father to be angry in public than to hear my side of the story. My parents were never married and obviously did not have a healthy relationship, which was beneficial for them to eventually break up when I was preteen, 
However, the circumstances around that were very unhealthy as my mom followed the same pattern of being with another toxic man who happened to be married at the time. I have made comments about the relationship, but I was told, let her be happy. I had to forcefully accept that, watching my mother suffer another vicious cycle of another toxic relationship. When I was with extended family, there was praise when I was the center of attention, mostly because of my gluttonous habits, because I was taught to never waste food and my parents want us to never go hungry. Weight was a roller coaster topic among loved ones. There are many days of, oh, eh? you're so mamona, which means, oh, you're so big and you're beautiful just the way you are. Yeah, many men and women in my family were married and happy being just the way they were. At least I believed it was. Complaints and gossip about loved ones were regular and sometimes borderline nasty. Sometimes it is best to not be the center of attention before people begin to interrogate me about myself or someone in particular. Of course, if I was rejected or manipulated into spilling the beans, I would briefly feel accepted among those relatives before feeling guilty and receive backlash for not keeping my mouth shut. This was the beginning of my codependency. With family, I am mostly loved compared to my peers who often insulted my appearance. Sometimes boys would always say, that's your girlfriend. And their friend would say, ew, she's ugly. To cope with that, I often used humor, making nicknames for myself to deflect the pain of rejection. I figured if I can make them laugh and see that I am not sensitive, I'll be accepted and they will eventually like me. Not a romantic way, but like me as a person. Now, codependency was both my defense mechanism and stronghold, especially when my father was present. In 2008, I visited my current red state with my dad and his new girlfriend at the time for the summer vacation. I was, I believe, a sophomore going on to a junior in high school at the time. I heard the usual fighting and yelling as if it was still my mom and my dad, except this time I heard my father screaming as he rammed his girlfriend's head into the wall. I ran out of my room begging him to stop and I wanted him to go, and that I wanted to go home. In a furious rage, I watched as my dad cussed and slammed his girlfriend's face into the bottom corner of the top shelf. And that man's 16 year old child who's witnessed his multiple altercations and violent outbursts, I could only do one thing that I have done for as long as I knew, be the submissive peacemaker, apologize, endure, and don't ruffle the feathers until you're safe. After that so-called vacation, it was a year or so before all of us siblings had a family meeting where we were informed dad was in jail for breaking his girlfriend's collarbone and she bailed him out only for him to be on the run and homeless. I unfortunately have to say the problems surrounding my dad never stopped there. My last interaction with my father in 2014 
involved him hitting my husband in the face, which caused my husband to have a bleeding lip. This situation happened a few days after my dad flew to California for a nine-day visit. There was a lot of factors that played into the assault my dad caused to my husband. But the deep-rooted issues were my father was still the same angry, controlling, and physically aggressive man at the time that the situation happened. I currently have gone no contact with my father for eight to nine years now. And preferably it will stay that way. There have been multiple days where I reflected on how I had a chaotic father. I even once believed that so long as my father lived, I was not safe because he would find me and harm me as he had threatened my siblings and other relatives that he would do so. Over pretty much the entire expansion of him and my mom being together and a little bit of after him and my mom had split. So... My reality was a shattered mirror of mental instability, toxic love, and unhealthy habits. So how would I learn true love that's stable, loving, and secure? Where can I learn about the beauty of everlasting love and be truly happy? As a child, I wondered if finding a husband would heal all those wounds of insecurity, loneliness, abandonment, and rejection. But y'all know that the only one who can heal is Jesus, Yeshua. So where was he? Well, technically, I did believe in Jesus when I was younger. My family practiced two religious things, prayer at every meal, and when encountering evil spirits, we should always proclaim the name of Jesus. We didn't go to church, and Bible study was with missionaries that would frequently visit my neighborhood complex when I was a child before my father got into an altercation with them as well. Thank God it didn't entirely prevent one woman to faithfully show up and continue to feed me spiritually. Then I became a teen who discovered anime, which became one form of escapism and made me feel unique compared to my family who were in sports, did hunting, fishing, hula, and a bunch of other culture-related hobbies. Anime led me to having friends of similar interests before being nicknamed from based on this one character from a ninja series who was a boy yet androgynous. This identity I had taken or started to form myself around at the time was anything but me, who was considered fat, considered ugly, 
daddy's girl who caused nothing but problems in the family. The identity I had to, I had taken on at the time was strong emotionally and mentally, not so much physically, although I did take a lot of physical abuse from quote unquote friends. And this identity was caring and loyal to those who made her feel safe and secure. I embraced the identity under influence that I was loved and cared for. However, this did not heal the hurt and trauma I had hidden away. Besides friends who liked anime, cosplaying, and other similar interests, I had friends who also expressed and explored sexualities, had abortions, self-harm, and also had very anti-God views. This also led the 15-year-old me at the time to believe I was not fit to be a child of God and that Jesus hates me because I was sexually attracted to both men and women, since I had believed in the ideology of love is love. So I stopped Bible studies and prayer altogether as this new identity had carried on for several years. The sexuality I claimed as a teenager also fueled a long hidden secret, which y'all know if you follow me long enough or if you need to go back to the prior episodes, I was addicted to pornography. Between 12, 13 years old, I was at a friend's house who introduced me to online sex chatting and it sparked a curiosity to look up sex itself you know, like on the computer and adult channels on TV, you know, this was when I guess I want to say DVR was starting to blow up, but my mom wasn't um, tech savvy. So she didn't learn how to parent lock the, those adult channels in times where like I came home from school and made sure I did my chores before I would go on the computer or on the TV and, you know, watch these adult channels. Soon enough, porn wasn't just sex scenes, it turned to erotica, sex-filled fan fiction and adult comics just to feel that rush and escape from being me. After all, it didn't help that it seemed so long as people were having sex, that that was love. Porn turned into masturbation, which resulted in friends with benefits, making out with other girls, and into having premarital sex when I had my first boyfriend at 16. After two years of being with that boyfriend, he broke up with me to be with someone else, and it tore me apart. I was very much heavy um, into the idea of whoever you're with, at the time is meant to be your forever love. But reality comes in and shatters all that and you're just a broken mess for a while. <laughs> I, you know, at the time just wanted someone to love me for all that I truly was and find a sanctuary away from my problems. After two more boyfriends, I just about gave up on seeking love. So I allow myself to be friends with benefits again with two more men, which resulted in me getting physically harmed 
and more emptier as I would run to porn again to feel good about myself. You know, those serotonin or the dopamine, whichever is the correct term, English term for the feel good. Not brain cells, but, uh, well, you know what I mean. To be honest, I contemplated suicide as even being around my family had made me miserable. Yet whenever they convinced me to do, I did it just to appease them because they are family. You know, saying how blood is thicker than water. Well. So y'all might wonder, so when did God finally intervene? Well, it was through a Facebook request of a man that I had actually met in Hawaii when I was dating that said boyfriend of two years. That's when I met that man. And I had zero attraction to him at the time. And my husband knows this too. Because that man who added me on Facebook is my now husband. We have been long distance relationship, boyfriend, girlfriend for a year in 2012 and then I visit him in 2013 and we got engaged in California. But at the time I was working to earn a certi certification in early childhood um, education. But that fell through because my life in Hawaii was just so unstable at that point. And even though my husband, he was a Christian, and at the time I was not, I was anti-God. I even told my husband, I'm bisexual and I support gay rights, gay marriage. I support my trans um you know, people, I'm an ally. Women should be able to um, do whatever they want with their own bodies. Anything that went against God's word. And somehow my husband, well, when I was still dating my two, um, boyfriend of two years at the time, when I first met my husband, God actually told him that I was meant to be his wife. And I'm not saying like, oh, it's going to happen the same way for the rest of y'all. But because of my husband's obedience, he led me to the Lord because of God's glory that flowed through my husband. It just drew me to my husband even though I wanted to make him run away. But there was just something about my husband who shared his experience as being a Christian and his compassion for others. And 
because even though we were engaged or we got engaged in California, I had to fly back home to Hawaii to at least attempt to finish my certification before planning to move out of Hawaii to be with my fiance. It fell through when I had a um, dispute with a relative. So with no degree or certification, just several boxes and a ring on my finger, I moved in with my husband in June of 2013. It was just the beginning of this new chapter for me. After several months of living together, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. My husband and I were yet to find a home church for us, and we finally did on my husband's birthday. And his birthday wish was to finally attend a church and possibly have it be our home church together as a couple. Unfortunately, my husband had to work every Sunday after, so I would either have to meet up with a neighbor to go to that church, or personally, I just wanted to show I'm dedicated to learning more about Jesus that I would walk to church. It was like a 10, 15 minute walk. And sometimes people that actually went to that church, they would see me, they're like, hey, are you going to church? It's like, yeah. And they're like, just hop in. And then sometimes when I'm walking from church, they'd be like, do you just want to just drop you off? And it's like, sure. And they would draw me off. It was for sure Jesus all in all. Even if I had to walk in the rain to church, and sometimes my husband and I would walk, depending on if he even got the day off or whatever. And we would walk home from church too. I, I, I'm smiling, taking a break from sharing more of my testimony just because it, it's it been over a decade. And just reflecting back, I, you know, God used that opportunity for me to make connections with other Christ followers and learn more about him and the Bible. And even though I had hesitancy of entering the church for the first time, thinking I was going to blow up in flames, <laughs> you know, Jesus was ultimately waiting for me to fall in love with him. Eventually, I got baptized alongside of my husband, who was actually getting baptized for like his seventh time. At- <laughs> and later on, like a few months after we got married, in April 2015. That very church was where our daughter was dedicated in the winter of 2016. All seemed well and great as I became active in preschool ministry, worship dancing, and eventually volunteered for um, VBS. I have developed a lot of close relationships with Holy Spirit-filled people and I still have several connections with those exact people. But grief, loss, and overwhelming stress built 
and I ran back to my habit of using porn as a coping mechanism. I was already one year porn free at the time since I accepted Jesus to my life. Oftentimes I repent, but I would still run back and ask God for forgiveness once more. People have said it was because I was hormonal and going through changes as a mom and a wife, but hormones and changes will never justify what I did as I broke a vow, not only to God, but to the only man who loves me for better or for worse. I believe I shared this in my relapse series, but to be brief, I had a one-sided emotional affair after meeting a guy while volunteering for VBS. Porn at the time was no longer helping me cope with stresses as a mom and wife, so I would fantasize about being with this person and flirt with him whenever I saw him at church. God, as just as he is, because he is just, Holy Spirit convicted me of this adultery. I committed my heart and mind while growing cold to my husband. After I confided in a pastor's wife, she recommended I confess this sin to my husband. My husband calmly told me that even though he was hurt, he just wanted us to reconcile. He and I were having a lot of stuff that happened during that time. So in a way he was taking blame, but ultimately grateful that it didn't go any further at this time. Again, if you've listened to my relapse series. Not long after of me confessing what happened, one of the pastors of our home church called us in and we spoke about the infidelity and was offered marriage counseling. My husband and I also agreed we would no longer attend that church so that my husband can heal and grow closer to Jesus during this hurting season. I also stopped serving in preschool ministry and VBS. I thought I would be able to since we've been here in the red state, but a large part of me just felt that it wasn't my calling to re-enter VBS or preschool ministry. And I don't know if it will ever be in the near future. My marriage healed to a certain point as we found another church and started to grow closer to God and to each other. But the cravings for porn came back as I received news of another relative dying from cancer and that my daughter was diagnosed with autism. Along with that, I was a few months pregnant with our second child. I realized I needed a support group as the stress and emotions of being a newly special needs parent, possibly two children, was causing me to seek porn even more heavily than before. God led me back to the first church where they were holding CR meetings. For eight months in the year 2019, I had not used porn and my son was born during those eight months. A step study was happening around the time I gave birth, but wanting to focus on my newborn son, I chose to wait. Then COVID happened and I relapsed again. 
not just because of lockdowns, but because I felt alone in my fight against porn. Even when they did Zoom meetings um, for CR, I just felt so out of place. And feeling like there was no one I could relate to about what it means to be a Christian woman that is struggling with sexual sin in general. I also was dealing with postpartum depression, postpartum rage, postpartum anxiety, and I just... I even attempted, but before I even could succeed, God saved me. And I will go into further detail about that another day. In December of 2020, I was recommended by a sister in Jesus to try Offline, a Christ-centered porn and lust recovery organization in Sacramento who had a women's branch. I had been attending Offline for a few months until a CR woman's lead um, invited me back to in-person meetings. I returned on the last Friday of April 2021 at the church where I fell in love with Jesus where I was baptized, got married, once served, and where I was now finding encouragement and strength through those who attended the CR meetings there. I went back for the first time in months and it happened to be chip night. If you don't know what chip night is, I suggest that you kind of attend one locally to yourself, especially here in the States. I'm not sure about internationally, but yeah, look it up. Eventually, I realized Jesus had this all planned out before I even took the first step. He was just waiting for me to trust and obey him to start my recovery journey. Soon enough, I learned porn not only gave me false gratification and false sense of love, it buried trauma and hurts from people who I thought loved and cared about me. Porn also suppressed and numbed the inner rage and violation of a young girl who was violated multiple times. When I thought God was healing me from just the porn addiction and sexual integrity, coming out of denial that I have major codependency has been a fierce discovery. I usually in CR, there's a, a majority of the testimonies are successful. Like they are still um, working on some minor things, but at the same time, they've gained so much victory that they're serving to give back to those in recovery are, are like leaps and bounds. But for my testimony, especially if you listen into my relapse series, my story is a continuing of recovery. And the truth is my recovery continues to further refine me from my hurts and my 
unhealthy habits I've developed from childhood and hangups that I'm coming to revelations. Thank you to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you know, I once mentioned to an economy partner from offline that I may be on this healing journey for the rest of my life, thinking it would just be strictly on porn. Except God's refinement process goes deep further down in order for me to be prepared for what he has in store for me, which I still don't know to this day, but maybe in time it will come to fruition and I'll be able to share that with you guys as well. So this is going to be a recap of basically from my relapse series and reading my testimony out, you know, I will add more details than I have here in my testimony script, but also just because just to summarize a little bit what I further went into detail um, in the relapse series. So my husband and I, um, wanted to establish our family out of California as things have been unendurable and unimaginable. If you just look up different laws that pass in California, it is just ridiculous. It's not just about taxes. It's about what they're allowing to happen to young children. And especially when it comes to sex, sex offenders as well. Um, we just never thought the red state that we're at now would be the place where God would has called us to be. Yet with faith and trust in God, did we obey each step of the way as he led us on a cross-country trip of our life <laughs> thus far? My husband and I thought we had to deal with some trials during our week-long trip to our red state, but it was just the tiny turbulence before the large hurricane coming our way. It was normal for us to open our homes to others, Christian or not. If someone was in need, my husband and I wanted to be welcoming, hospitable, and loving as, you know, Christians are called to be. Though most of those people later burned us, we didn't want bitterness nor callousness in our hearts to continue to help others. However, my husband and I learned that protecting the sanctity of our home and establishing firm, concrete boundaries should be the highest priority when it comes to outsiders of our family. I made three mistakes in the year of 2022 in regards to my recovery. One, continuing a step study solo with just a sponsor who was still planted in California. Two, not being active with my support system as I rotated through excuses of time change or they have their own problems. Um, maybe they don't want to hear what's going on with me. Three, breaking one of the cardinal rules of CR, connecting with someone of the opposite sex who is also dealing with porn issues. This person was also my husband's accountability partner. Despite the season of financial struggle, discord with my husband, doubt, and discouraging thoughts of God's calling to our red state, I should have continued to remain patient and faithful to both God and my husband. 
regardless of my reasoning to fall for this guy, the result of the affair took a greater toll on my marriage. How can I face my husband with not only a second of, a second affair, but one that was both emotional and became physical? I know God is merciful and loving, but he is still just. With the support and gentle encouragement of leaders from CR, I was able to confess what transpired between me and this other guy. To summarize the aftermath, reconciliation and amends was not simple this time around. There were gritty arguments, painful tears, spiritual warfare, and many hearts that were ripped open. The Holy Spirit will bring wisdom and insight to those willing to listen. The revelation given to me was that though I acted out of feeling rejection and abandonment, I abandoned and rejected my family that God had blessed me with, only to end up being rejected and abandoned by a guy who claimed he loved me. It's a disheartening truth, but that's how sin traps you. As my husband and I continued to be gradually attend CR with little hope of staying together, we shortly realized how incredible God can be. God stationed us and blessed us with support of not only one, but three churches whose prayers fueled the miracle of a more unified and strengthened relationship. Even more, my husband has been able to be more spiritually sound as he is mentored by other godly men that I had desperately prayed for for years. For me, recovery has been painful, but disciplining myself to stick to the narrow path towards Jesus so that I may be a better wife and mother to my family. The Holy Spirit was very keen on informing me that I may not know what a wife is, but, or that I may know what a wife is, but I surely did not know how to be one to my own husband. Yeah, <laughs> it was a very large slice of humble pie. And that's a figurative or metaphorical statement. Yeah, I was definitely served humility the day that the Holy Spirit showed me, shared that with me. Which is kind of ironic because for this testimony, which I do share in CR, which I still take partake in, Holy Spirit led me to this verse, Philippians 1, 6 to 11. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. For you are all, you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in, my, in, in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And is it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may prove what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. The recovery journey that I've been on has not only healed or has been healing me, but shown me 
what God wants removed from me because that is what is holding me back from not only growing closer with him, but also stunting my growth to prepare me for the purpose God has on my life. And even though he's helped me through CR to recover from the porn addiction, but also to help me have further victory on sexual sin, especially in regards with what happened over a year ago. And I hope my testimony reaches somebody that needs to hear it and to see that God is not calling someone to be perfect. He's calling us to be compassionate in a way that we can help others see the errors of their way and turn to the creator who not only created us for a higher purpose other than just surviving in this chaotic world, but to understand his divine power over the physical realm of this world and the spiritual realm of this world. Also to lead us to the truth. And people might wonder, well, what is the truth? Well, if you look or if you listen into my authority story in my in season one of C3 podcasts, I talk about how God didn't create us to be puppets. But even though he created both good and evil, because how will we know what is good and what is evil? And then for us to have the free will to either choose down the path of righteousness or down the path of destruction. Now, the path of destruction, from my experience now, has led me to rely on my emotions, my fight or flight habits to be in a vicious cycle of resentment, bitterness, confusion, and working out of my flesh compared to my life with Jesus. And trust me, yeah, if you don't know by now what it means to be a Christian, because being a Christian may seem hard. That is because the Satan, the devil, will make it so easy to just live and work, or not work, but to live blindly even 
on the path of destruction that you just upright refuse God until it's just too late versus living on the path of righteousness and enduring trials that may destroy you. But that's where we have to submit ourselves to Jesus. What? Submit to God and resist the devil. Let me pull that up really quick. James 4, 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But again, first step, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It's not because... God wants your life to be hard. He just wants you to get stronger every time you're hit with some type of obstacle. And that's all it is. Any trial we go through is just an obstacle. We can either in that obstacle or doing that obstacle, praise him or rebuke him. And every time I've tr not entirely rebuked him, but I would just rebel or I would ignore in the, the warnings, it did not go well for me. And some people might get sarcastic and cynical, pessimistic, whichever, and say, well, maybe you just did it wrong. We cannot morally thrive if we're all doing this strictly on our own flesh and our own thoughts, only through God, am I becoming more humble? Am I growing and learning to be not only compassionate, but to be, to share truth with people I encounter. And even sometimes I fail, but God is still merciful. He still is full of grace. Because he rather see that you're trying to make effort than you just completely rebuke him. And his sorrow for you. Because he knows what's waiting for us in the end of our timeline here on earth. If we either follow him and seek him or re rebel against him and follow our flesh, which is what the enemy wants overall. So I hope my testimony gives you even a mustard seed something will leap out at you and somehow grow within you or stick with you that will bring the presence of Jesus to you that makes it so unique that even if you are a Christian 
that something from my testimony inspires you to hunger and thirst God even more. And that is the purpose of hearing Jesus' testimonies. Take care. Be safe. Ahuiho.